You're listening to Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. Let's go back in time when turtles roam the sewers of New York. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror, the black in the And knowing was half the battle. Go, go! It's time for Saturday Morning Rewind. Hey everybody, this is Tim Nidell, your host. Welcome to another amazing episode. This episode features an interview with Dan Gilvezan. Of course, all of you know Dan from Transformers Generation 1 as Bumblebee. Hey, watch it, Jazz! We also talk about Cooler on Pound Puppies. Howler, I thought I told you never to play that tune! And also playing Spider-Man in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Hey, anybody can lay a trap. This is a Spidey super special. We also talk about his two books that he wrote first one is Bumblebee and Me, Life as a G1 Transformer. He says he just tells stories about recording and, you know, what it was like being in, in Transformers. His second book we talk about is Drowned in the Grenadine. you hear all about that in the interview. So if you want to check out his books, I put a link on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Just go to the first page, scroll down just a little bit. You'll see his two books there. Click on either one, and they're both clickable, and they go straight to Amazon.com. Dan is also going to be at two cons coming up pretty soon. Chicago TFCon, October 24th to 26th, and Alamo City Comic Con, which is September 26th to the 28th. So if you guys are nearby there, please go check out Dan. He's, a, he's awesome. Real quick before I go into the interview, a couple updates I want to let you guys know about. I am starting a donation campaign. I am in desperate need of, of new audio equipment, a, a new camera for live events, new webcam and also, of course, there's also fees that I pay each month to publish the, the podcast. So if you enjoy what you hear, if you enjoy the website, the Facebook page, the podcast, or whatever, and if you can donate just a little bit, anything helps, honestly, uh, go to the website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. First page here, scroll down. Right above the Dan's books there, you'll see a link for a donation campaign. I, I, I would appreciate anything you guys are willing to give. And 100% of it is going to go towards the website and podcast. I want to thank the people who have already donated on there. Um, it's not going to go to waste, trust me. I'm really grateful for anything you guys can give. So thank you. Also, a couple interviews I've done already that are going to be featured on the podcast very soon. First one, Joe Alasky. I am such a huge fan of Joe's. Uh, he was Plucky Duck from Tiny Toon Adventures. I'm not even in this episode. It's an outrage, I tell you. Heads will roll. My lawyer will hear of this. It's, it's a great interview. Coming very, very soon. Also, Nancy Cartwright, also known as Bart Simpson, and millions of other amazing voices. I had a chance to interview her, and it's, it's amazing. It was a short one. I had to keep it at 20 minutes because she's very busy. But it's great, so look for that also. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a friend, last name Keebum, first name Lee. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Here is a quick word from our sponsors, and then the interview with Dan Givazan. This is Corey Burton saying, you're listening to Tim Nidell on Saturday Morning Rewind. Brought to you by... Are you a fan of DuckTales, Gargoyles, or Tailspin? Then boy, have I got a podcast for you. 
Hi, I'm Jason, host of DAF Radio. And I'm Matt, the co-host. Join us as we talk about these fan-favorite shows that you grew up with and meet the people that made them. Find us at DAFradio.net or in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, enjoy the afternoon. We now return to the Transformers. I'm sorry about yesterday, or, or actually the day before it was, I got a, a job, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. It, but, yeah, in your business, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for rescheduling. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. I've been busy myself. I had a, a huge interview with Corey Burton on Monday, so ah. I was... Corey actually spoke to you? Yeah, yeah, I know. Surprisingly, because I've, I've heard from multiple people that he's hard to get a hold of. Yeah, Corey's very... Um, uh, very hermetic, uh-huh. I guess you would call it. Yeah, he's he's a he's a very shy person. I found this to be true with a lot of uh, uh, voiceover actors that they're they're very shy. Peter uh, Frank Welker is also very. shy. I know. Yeah, I've tried to get him on many times, but he he yeah he keeps to himself. No, he won't. Yeah, I've I've asked him. Um, actually, I've asked him to do uh, some conventions with me and Kathy Garver because he was uh, Iceman. Yeah. Uh, on on uh, the uh, Spider-Man show, but he's just <laughs> he won't do it. <laughs> shame is a big shame but yeah i was told to keep it at about 20 30 minutes with Corey, and uh it ran for an hour and 47 minutes wow yeah he just i, I tried to stop it like three or four times too but he just, he just kept on going and going Corey so. hasn't spoken to me that much in my entire life <laughs> yeah i was very surprised he's very open about everything he even told me a couple of things oh, off great. the record and it was it was by far my favorite interview i've done Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So let's, let's try to top that today, shall we? <laughs> well, okay, you, you set the bar pretty high now. <laughs> well, I wanted to start off with, with one of your first um, jobs you had as a voice actor, uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. That was actually my first uh, job in animation. Uh, I had never done an, an animated uh, show before, so it was really scary for me. There was a huge, this was Marvel's first in-house production. They had always uh, licensed their characters out to other uh, companies, uh, like the, the 60s show, the the, uh, the Spider-Man show was licensed out to another company to do the animation and produce it. This was the first time that uh, Marvel said, we're going to do it in-house. So Stan Lee and a bunch of the staff came out here. So this was a big deal, and they had a huge, huge casting call for Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar. And uh, I auditioned like everyone else, and was lucky enough to uh, to win the part, and which was surprising to me because I had never. I mean, I had acting training, but I had never, as I said, done a, an animated series, yeah. and it was uh, it was it was quite a coup, actually. Awesome. Now, was Stan Lee really involved in the in the process? Yeah, very much so. Uh, he Stan oversaw all the scripts. Um, he, uh, I, we, we met him at the uh, at the rap party at the end of the recording. Uh, we recorded 13 episodes in the first season, and I met Stan. Uh, uh, wonderful, very sweet, uh, energetic, wonderful man uh, at the at the rap party. Uh, but he was, yeah, he was very involved. In fact, he did some of the narrations for, yeah. uh, for uh, later in the seasons. At that point, Spider Man was not nearly as big as he is now. How did you approach giving him a voice? Uh, well, I was a big fan. Uh, actually, going into it, I had uh, I had two posters on my wall as a uh, like a thirteen year old. One was Mr. Spock, and one was Spider Man. So <laughs> I, I was a I was a real fan from the get go. So it was quite a thrill for me. Um, they wanted um, the, a younger sounding voice. He was supposed to be in college at this point, and um, he, uh, I. 
what I concentrated on mostly was the difference between Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which is uh, obviously uh, Peter Parker is a much shyer, uh, very shy sort of uh, introverted individual, and Spider-Man uh, is out there. It's almost as, as if when he puts on the mask, it enables him to sort of come out of himself. Mm-hmm. So the wisecracks during the, the battles, uh, which are a trademark of his, um, were kind of my, my hook in that sort of wise guy uh, attitude while he's you know slinging webs and punching and stuff. So that's sort of where I, I where it originated for me, where where the sort of the basis of the character was for me. All right, now I wanted to skip you know a few years of your career there and go to probably one of the yes, most popular one of yours is Transformers, where you voiced a handful of uh, Autobots and uh, Bumblebee. Yeah. You were Bumblebee, Outback, and who else were you? I forget. As a matter of fact, someone just sent me some playing cards to uh, to autograph. I was, and I'm going to go through. I was Bumblebee, and <laughs> uh, they turned me into Goldbug, uh, okay. which I didn't care for. We'll talk about that later. I was uh, Epic, uh, Hotspot, Skids, Rollbar, and Scamper, I believe. And then, uh, you know, various other uh, security guards and mm-hmm. uh, soldiers and stuff like that. Can you believe it's been 30 years, exactly 30 years to the, to the day? Not today, but, you know, to the year. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, the longevity of this of this series is incredible, and that has a lot to do, obviously, with the, with the movies that, of course. Know, uh, that Michael Bay has been producing. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I did a, I did a uh, you know, a bunch of these animated series in the 80s, and very few of them have, have, have that kind of legs. I mean, um, the Pound Puppies, they're still producing episodes of that, which I, which I also did, but... Uh, phenomenon that just it seems to get bigger and bigger every year uh, you and Corey Borton uh, had a lot of scenes together in the show did you guys record a lot together I mean I'm sure you guys all recorded together but were you guys next to each other when you recorded yeah uh, most of the time we were yeah that was one of the great things about uh, doing shows back then uh, the whole cast was generally uh, present for the for the recordings unless there was some availability problem. Um, today, uh, many, many times, you'll find just you know a few people from the cast because everybody's so busy and they use a lot of celebrities. So in order to try and get a celebrity yeah. in for a recording session, they really have to sort of juggle their schedule. So it's, it's not like it was. I mean, we generally had the entire cast with us, and it was quite a, it, <laughs> it was quite a fun room to be in. Uh, long, long sessions, though. That's what I've heard. There were long sessions. Well, Wally Burr saw to that. Um, we would have eight. There were eight-hour sessions because at that point, Screen Actors Guild um, a, a day. The the contract said for a day was eight hours, and Wally used every one of those eight hours. And it was <laughs> frankly, it, it was I, I, everybody who was in the show will tell you about this. It was exhausting, especially for guys like Peter and Frank who were operating oh, yeah. way down. Oh, yeah. um, you know, they would simply be exhausted by the end of the session. And frankly, there was a there was an animation strike, and I. I think it was like 87, and one of the reasons was we wanted a shorter, uh, we wanted a four-hour workday, which we, which we got, because it was actually kind of insane to record a 22-minute show. It, it would take eight hours to record that. It's crazy. Wow. That, and that, is that, was Wally, that was Wally's style. I mean, it was, you know, we, those, we went, those lines were repeated so many times, I can probably say them now. <laughs> now, does the same thing go for uh, G.I. Joe also, since he was involved in that? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the same with GI Joe. I mean, he's 
he also directed that, obviously, and that was uh, it was the same sort of thing. It was eight-hour sessions, and I didn't have as much to do with G.I. Joe as I did with Transformers, so it was a little easier for me, but yeah, it was the same thing. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, voicing, was it Goldbug? Is that what you said? Yes. I don't remember that character. Uh, they, uh, some, oh, let's see, very close to the end of the of the entire series, okay. um, they changed him, they dipped him in gold or something and changed the, the body design. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and it, the reason you don't remember it was because it was only a few, it was only a really a few shows that he was Goldbug. I didn't like it because, you know, I had established that character and now, you know, to me it was just kind of a crass move in order to sell more toys. Okay. Because obviously, you know, many, many Bumblebees had been sold, so okay, yeah, let's move on to something else. <laughs> um and, you know, he's sort of been returned to his original state, you know, back in, in the comics and uh, in the stuff that's been done, you know, since that. So and that was kind of an aberration, I think. You can go ahead and just not remember that. <laughs> okay, good good to know. Now, did, yeah. his his looks changed, but did you have to change uh, his vocals as, as well, or did you just really no, keep no, the same was, thing? No, to me it was the same character. It was just, you know, no. No, there was huh. no... There was no difference in the approach. To me, it was he was the same. It was the same person. I were rather. <laughs> I don't know how you refer to him. It was the same entity, uh-huh. I guess. Um, <laughs> so no, there was no change at all in the voice. Interesting. Yeah, I, it, it sounds familiar now that you said they they dipped him in gold and everything. But yeah, it's been so long. I have the whole series on DVD, but I haven't visited it in quite a while. Yeah, it's toward the end of the uh, of the ninety two episodes. I think it's it's right close to the end. There were only a few episodes produced where he was Goldbug. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, take take a look when you get a chance. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> Another one of the things that you're involved with that I absolutely loved when I was a kid, Pound Puppies. I loved that show. Cooler was the coolest dog ever. And What was it like uh, being on Pound Puppies? That was a great show to be on. Um, we did the pilot. Tom Ruger, who produced uh, uh, Tiny Toons and okay. a lot of other stuff, um, was the producer on that show. And we did a pilot, I think it was probably back in 85. Uh, it was, a, I guess, a, it's probably an hour-long pilot for the show. And I played Cooler. And then when the show was picked up as a series, um, I went on to do that. And the cast was great. We had Robert Morse, who, who you know, has gained mm-hmm. late, uh, late-stage fame in, uh, in Mad Men, although he just, uh, well, no, that's a spoiler. I don't want to mess it. <laughs> But we had a great cast. We had uh, Nancy Cartwright was in it. She was uh, Bart Simpson. We had, um, my gosh, just, you know, a, a great group of people. The pilot especially was really cool because Jonathan Winters was in it. Oh, nice. And all of these people that I had uh, watched on TV as a kid, I was in the same room with recording, and it was it was really quite a thrill. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually interviewed uh, Pat Carroll about two years ago. Yeah, and Pat, was, yeah, Pat of course, was, was the evil... Uh, yeah, Katrina, uh, Stone, Katrina Stoneheart. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and she was great. Pat was great. Yeah, she's got an amazing villain voice. It's just, it's meant well, to be. Well, I mean, her Ursula, is, uh-huh. uh, you know, is legendary. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah one of the she best. Was great. Now, do you have any any stories at all about working on Pound Puppies? I don't really have stories. It was directed by Gordon Hunt. And I'll, let me just give you a, a, a sort of a brief uh, outline of how he's different from Wally. Uh, who who was very, very adamant on his readings and wanted to hear exactly what he wanted to hear. Gordon knew that you understood the character, knew that you were a professional and knew what you were doing, and Gordon would go ahead and let you go ahead and play. And unless something went, 
you know, very wrong, um, he wouldn't stop you or he wouldn't do a retake. And to me, it added a fresher uh, feel to the show. And as an actor, it's certainly less restrictive than, than the way Wally was. I mean, mm-hmm. it was basically you had to par- you had to parrot back Wally's words to him as he said them. Um, <laughs> and with Gordon, uh, it, it, it was entirely different. I have great respect for Gordon. He's uh, by the way, he's Helen Hunt's father. Oh yeah, so, uh, I knew that. Okay. Yeah, talent seems to run in the family. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't have, really have any. Uh, I, have to, I have to search my memory banks at some point and see if I can come up with anything. I just remember we had a lot of fun. Uh, doing the show, and um, it's it's amazing that that that's gone on too. Although in a new iteration, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Now, wasn't Frank involved in that too, Frank Wilker? Yeah, Frank. Um, let's see, Frank. Well, you know, I think Frank did cat voice. The, the there was an evil cat that Katrina oh, yeah. had. Yeah, yeah, of um, course. I think that was Frank. <laughs> um, Frank's amazing. I mean, he can do anything. I but know. He, he, I, I look sometimes at his IMDb page, and he has like fifty thousand credits to his name, <laughs> and half of them are animals. Oh yeah, it's like my daughter. I've told this story before on the podcast. My daughter was watching a Disney movie maybe five months ago, and it was like either a, a meowing cat or a barking dog. And, and she turned to me. She's ten years old now. She turned to me and said, "Daddy, is that Frank Wilker?" <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, he was Ms. Lion too on the on the Spider-Man show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, he did double duty as Iceman and uh, and the dog. Now, real quick, uh, they just announced recently that they're making a gem live-action movie. What's it like seeing yeah, some I of these that. projects that you've done turning into a, a theatrical live-action movie? Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's a whole other thing, of course. Um, um, to be honest with you, I... I uh, I, I saw the trailer, I think, for the for the next uh, Michael Bay movie, the uh, uh-huh. four. Yeah, and it just it was just so overwhelming. It was like somebody smashing pots and pans in front of my <laughs> face for a half an hour. Uh, uh, it, I mean, it's a much different take. Obviously, I think our show had a lot more charm and it had a lot more character to it. But you know, as I said, this is something that's helped the uh, as as Hasbro calls it the brand. Yeah, it's helped the brand continue. So I, I really can't complain about it. It's just a whole other entity. You know, it's a completely different take on the thing. Yeah, Corey pretty much pretty much said the same thing. How he tried to watch the first Transformers, but it was just too noisy and too loud, so he turned it off. Yeah, I think we're just too old. <laughs> I think we're too old to appreciate. It. And certainly yeah. Corey is. I mean, because Corey's very old now. He's probably i don't know how he's probably in his 90s now <laughs> pretty close pretty close no he's not <laughs> i believe he said he's about to turn 60 uh, yeah we're all about the we're all about the same age i think i'm i'm 62 now so uh yeah Corey would be about the same nice wow all right now i wanted to focus the rest of the interview on your books uh-huh. do you have a particular one you want to start with or just you want to start with drowned in the grenadine yeah, let me talk about that first. Um, Drowned in the Grenadine was actually uh, a novel that I wrote, and it started uh, actually a long time ago. We uh, The actors went on strike. This was uh, a commercial strike uh, back in, gosh, it was like in the early 90s, or late 90s, rather, late 90s. And um, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands, so I started writing this book based on a lot of my experiences as an actor in Hollywood. And it just kind of sat there, and then I would get, you know, go back to it and, and add some more stuff. And uh, it, gradually, over time, it developed into into Drowned in the Grenadine, and uh, it's the story of, of an actor um, who had a great deal of success as a commercial actor um, 
early in his career, he was the spokesman for a tire company, and the, the spots were very funny, and it was similar to what would have happened to, like, a, well, Flo right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. From, from, from the insurance commercials, you know. She's very, very well known now, and it's probably going to ruin her career. Exactly. Uh, at least for a while. And that's what he goes through, trying to come back after, after three years as that spokesman. Nobody wants to hire him anymore because he's so overexposed. And at, at the point where the novel begins, he has a chance to win a part in a pilot, a TV sitcom pilot that's uh, virtually guaranteed to go to series. And he's really, really concerned about getting the part. So a lot of the book has to deal with his uh, he, the, the whole process of uh, you know getting the pilot, shooting the pilot, hoping it's going to be picked up. But it's it's full of you know all of the things that happened to me. I was uh, the spokesman for Jack in the Box mm-hmm. uh, restaurants in the early '80s, and I based a lot of his uh, of his adventures as the tire spokesman on what happened to me there. So it's and I've I've been complimented by my fellow actors who who read it by saying it's probably the most accurate portrayal of what we go through hmm. uh, every day. You know, the working actor, uh, what they go through every day in their lives. You know, the, the audition process and the having to take this job and not really wanting to but you need the money yeah. and um, it's very funny too and it's kind of heartfelt also because he has a he's uh, our hero Nathan he's uh, divorced and has a has a son who he can't see very often because he's always trying to get a job so um, it's I'm very proud of that book it's it, it came out very well I thought yeah in the description on Amazon it said that he, uh, he was dealing with teenage casting directors and soulless network execs I'm, I'm sure you've had plenty of those in your career. Yes, exactly. It's As I said, a lot of it is based on the stuff that I went yeah. through. And it, it's absolutely true. I found, in fact, I'm going for audition tomorrow, and I the, the casting directors seem to get younger and younger. But what it is is <laughs> I'm getting older and older. I think they're staying the same. Uh-huh. But uh, it's it's... It's really kind of interesting the way this business works out here, especially the television business. So I would I would say that anybody who's interested in seeing how it works behind the scenes out here uh, should take a look at this because it's a it's a pretty accurate portrayal of uh, of the, the the you know production behind the scenes. You know what you're watching you know uh, on your television has a lot going on behind it. Nice, yeah. I mean, it sounded amazing. I mean. I'm going to check that one out. I'm going to check out the other one, too. Bumblebee and Me, Life as a G1. That's a kind of book yeah. that I can really sink, <laughs> sink my teeth into. I, I really want to get my hands on it. I'll probably buy it probably next next payday. So, uh, the, well, the fans uh, really love that book, obviously, and I yeah. wrote it for the fans. In fact, it's the dedication is for the fans. Um, what happened with that one was, after I wrote the first book, um, I had done uh, quite a few conventions, uh, Transformers conventions and sci-fi conventions, and we would do panels, and I would find that the a lot of the questions were the same. You know, how was this? What about this? How did you do this? What was this like? And I thought, you know, many people cannot make it to a convention. Why don't I write a book? And it's not, it's not really long, and it's not really involved, but it answers almost all of those questions that people have asked me at the uh, at the conventions from the very beginning uh, of the of the series of my auditioning for the part to the very end when it was finally canceled and even beyond that uh, it has pictures uh, some previously unpublished pictures that I dug out of my treasure trove of uh, a lot of stuff from those days it's been super popular with the fans um, you, you can get it on Amazon as I said either mm-hmm. in an, uh, as an ebook or a, a paperback or even uh, narrated by an incredibly talented uh, voice actor uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Maybe you can remember. 
<laughs> Let me guess, is his name Dan? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did the I did the audio recording, and that was a lot of fun nice. too. So it's available in in three different formats, and it's as I said, it's on Amazon. If, uh, all you have to do is do a a search under my name, and it'll come popping up. Cool, and I'm sure in there you have a lot of crazy stories about meeting some some crazy fans of these conventions, right? Yeah, oh yeah. There's a, there's a whole chapter on conventions. Um, there's a chapter on all of my my uh, fellow castmates, the original twelve of us, who oh. were the original core cast. Um, I give my take on each of the uh, individual people, and there's some story behind the scenes stories that nobody's ever heard before. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot, and there's and then there's an, an entire <laughs> there's an entire chapter just devoted to Wally Burr. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I I have to say, you know, I'm very critical of him um, of the way he directed, but I love Wally. Uh, we've you know we're, we're we're good friends. I talk to him fairly often. I've seen him at conventions. And I have great respect for him, but I really kind of take him apart in that uh, in that chapter. <laughs> I can't wait to get my hands on it. I actually got goosebumps yeah, as you were saying. <laughs> nice. Are you are you writing any more books currently, or do you have any plans? Yeah, to? I'm actually I'm working on a on a new novel um, right now. I'm I'm slogging my way through it, so and I'm hoping to get it done by the end of this year. Um, we'll see what happens. It's another novel, so okay. it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a fantasy. This one is, so it's, I don't want to tell say any more about it. Because, okay. Very uh, cool. I want to make it a surprise <laughs> when it does come out. Nice. All right, Dan, do you have anything else coming up that you wanted to promote? Any shows or any conventions or anything? Um, actually, I, well, we're doing, yeah, actually, my, my wife handles the conventions. My wife, Joselle, uh, handles conventions. She has us booked for a couple. We're going to be in um, Chicago for TFCon. Okay. And I, forgive me for not knowing the dates, but she's got all this stuff in her head. She basically just, you know, dresses me and puts me on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so we're doing TFCon in Chicago later, and then we're doing uh, Alamo City Comic Con in um, in San Antonio, which we did last year, and it was, boy, what a great convention that was. Nice. You guys, if anybody is in the area of, of, of San Antonio and wants to make the drive, it was it was great. It was the first year that they produced this thing, and it was huge, huge, and they did a beautiful job. I mean, I've seen first-year conventions that are falling apart in front of my eyes. Uh. This thing was fantastic. So if, if you're in the area, check it out. Awesome. I'll find out the dates of those two and put them in the show notes and post them on our Facebook page. Yeah. Too. Also, I just uh, last let's see. I just worked actually with uh, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, nice. Last week, um, he's doing a uh, a television pilot. So I can't really talk about that either because you have to sign these non disclosure agreements and stuff. But um, that was fun. Yeah. So, and I so you know I'm still working and doing stuff and uh, life goes on. Awesome, man. It sounds. I mean, if Zach's involved in that last one, I'm definitely in there for that one. Yeah, yeah, it should be funny. It should be pretty funny. Yeah. You know, he's, I don't know if you've seen his uh, Between Two Ferns. I have, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just, I mean, he's really great in those. He's really great in those. So, yeah, um, yeah that, was, that was a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, I do appreciate your time. This has been incredible. Um, can I get um, you to close the podcast as Bumblebee? Hey, everybody, this is Bumblebee. I just wanted to let you know that one of the coolest sites on the planet is Saturday Morning Rewind. It's Tim Nightdale's website that's got a lot of really cool stuff, so check it out and uh, keep on rolling. That's going to do for this episode. Please remember to follow me on Facebook and Twitter, and please, please, please leave an iTunes review. All those links can be found on my website at SaturdayMorningRewind.com. I'll see you guys next time.
Is your mom there? No, I'm home alone. Well, you won a prize. What's your address? Uh, 42 Oak Street. Hey, Roblox, some stranger's bringing me a prize. A stranger, huh? All he wanted to bring you was trouble. Remember, never tell anyone you're home alone and never give anyone your address. I'll say mom can't come to the phone. Smart thinking. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Thanks for listening to the Saturday Morning Rewind. And that's all, folks.